Hey, so we're in week three of our series, our vision series, and what we're talking about is our mission statement. And if you look, if you open up your worship folder, uh, you'll see uh, on the back of it, I guess, is our mission statement. There's three R's, reach, restore, and respond. Living Spring, uh, through the guidance of the Holy Spirit, will reach our neighborhood and surrounding cities with the love of the Father. We'll restore lives to healthy relationship in the Son, and we'll respond to a move of the Spirit. And so we've been going through each one of those the last few weeks. As a matter of fact, last week we talked about restore, and the the takeaway from last week is that fully surrendered lives can be fully restored. And that's why we have Billy's 56 Chevy in our patio, is to show you what can actually happen when you surrender something over to someone who knows what they're doing. Okay, and so I don't know if you took pictures on there. Uh, of the car or whatever. But when you see it, you're like, wow, that's awesome. What makes that awesome is because uh, they didn't restore it while it was driving, okay? They, they had to turn it over to someone who knows what they're doing, and that's what they got back. And that's what we were talking about last week, that in the same way, when you turn your life over to God in that, uh, fully, he's able to do a great restoration work in your life as well. So um, this week, we're going to be talking about Respond, And before we do that, I just wanted to talk a little bit again to remind you about our circles that we have. We divide everyone up into these bands, if you will, to kind of help us as a staff and a leadership team talk about, well, is this someone from the community or the crowd or the congregation or whatever? And, and so this is how we see Living Spring. We're part of a community. We have an address, 9851 Bixby Avenue Garden Grove. 92841. Okay. Uh, but that, that's the address. We ha- we're part of a community. Further, people who attend our church who don't live right by the church, so maybe you're Belinda or Anaheim, you have a community too as kind of a representation of Living Spring. And so, so, so Living Spring really has our community, our, our physical community, but then you have community as well. And so that's why we say we reach our neighborhood and surrounding communities because you guys go out and now we have this community that we're all a part of. The next thing is the uh, crowd. And these are people who just make it on the campus. So maybe your first time on campus was at our um, uh, art show, something like that, you know. And so that's just the crowd. The the crowd doesn't have to go to church here. They just come here. We have food truck Tuesdays we had for a while. And there'd be a crowd for that. And some of them would just, you know, come and just be a part of that. And so um, that's just anyone who kind of makes it on campus. This morning when I got here, there was a gentleman sleeping in one of the alcoves. He's part of the crowd, okay? Um, uh, However, he came to church, which means he's now part of the congregation, okay? Which is awesome. This is exactly what we want to do here. We want to move someone from one band to the next band. And so, and don't, sleep here. So, um, so we, that, they're part of the congregation. And part of the congregation is just anyone who'd call this their church home. So you might come once a year, you might come twice a year, but if someone said, do you go to church? And you answer yes, and they say, what church? You'd say, Living Spring, you're part of the congregation. Next is the committed and those are um, people who uh, ha- are now beginning to give sacrificially. They're beginning to um, attend more regularly. They'll actually get up, get dressed, and get here as a priority. Those are the committed. And we're always trying to get, if, if you're here once a month, we want you here three or four times a month. Because like Pastor Bob says, it's better when you're here. And it is. And then uh, last is the core. These are volunteers. These are people we, we couldn't live without. These bulletins get handed out uh, Devin and Larry and Daryl, they, they, they'll pick up trash before you, anybody even gets here early in the morning. They're, they're part of the core. And so our mission statement 
the reach covers these outer two bands. Restore covers the middle bands. And then what we're going to talk about this morning is responding. And that covers the, the inner bands. And again, these, it's not an exact science. Uh, but we want to take someone from a first-time visitor to a fully devoted follower of Christ. This morning, what I want to talk to you about is responding to a move of God's Spirit. Um, most of you know my story um, uh, of going from business to becoming a pastor. I've told it a million times. The reason I tell it a million times is because it's part of my identity. And so um, when I was in high school, just coming out of high school, I felt God calling me into the ministry out of high school. And so I went to college to study theology and did horribly in those classes. I mean, really, I did this, this, this paper this, uh, I, I, on hell that I did, and, and then that's what I said when I got my grade. I think I'm, I'm going to end up there because I, I, just, I, couldn't, I, I just figured I wasn't smart enough to be a pastor. And so I dropped out, <laughs> not of school. I just went into, the, I did a business because the classes are way, way easier. And, uh, and I really loved it. And so I, I kind of thought, wow, what, there was this stirring in me. What, what's going on? And so then Lisa and I got married and I, I kept going in business. And, um, but, but I always felt this, this tug. And so at my church, I would get involved and I'd lead worship at our Wednesday night service and I'd lead small groups. And um, sometimes I'd, 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 I'd uh, like, like once I preached and that was like so scary. And, and, and I'm just like, I, I like feel this call, this tug. And Lisa wrote in her diary one time, um, she said, I know we feel called to full time. She has a diary because she's married to me and has to talk to somebody about it. Uh, and so... Um, <laughs> So she wrote in her diary, which she let me read. I, I didn't just find it in the mattress, not this one. But, um, and so uh, she wrote, uh, I know we're called to full-time ministry. Um, we're ready, and um, even if it takes 10 years. And it was 10 years after that that I ended up at Living Spring. Okay? What I want to talk about this morning is my call story. And I want to look at someone else's call story in the Bible. Call story is just a term they use when you're studying the Bible. Uh, it, 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 they're all through the Bible. You'll see Peter's call story and Moses and, you know, all these different uh, people. And so, um, but, but here's what I want you to leave with. That you have a call story. And probably several of them. You've had different times in your life where you felt God calling you out of the mundane into something different. And here's what I'm hoping by the end of this morning, that you won't miss your next one. I'm hoping that you will see God working in such a way, you will trust him in such a way that you won't miss it. Here's what I want, want us to know, that God is on the move. Okay, God is always moving. He sees, he knows, he's following, he's, he, he, he knows what's going on, okay? And so oftentimes we get hung up with that. We're like, well, man, if he sees, why doesn't he fix, okay? Like, he sees my marriage, why doesn't he fix my husband, you know, or fix my wife, or what have you? If he sees my finances, lottery ticket wouldn't be that difficult, okay? Just, he's God, just go for it, you know what I mean? If he sees, why doesn't he just do if he sees this sickness in our family, why doesn't he just heal it? Well, sometimes he does. And you've all had probably those experiences where you thought, I don't know how I'm going to pay the rent. And all of a sudden, in the mail comes this check from like 
Uncle Sam, uh, uh, and uh, wait, no, not the government. Like, you have a real Uncle Sam, and he writes you a check. And so, and, and, and it like, it's like the exact amount. Or, you know, we've heard lots of these stories. Sometimes that happens. Sometimes you pray for healing, and healing happens, and it's miraculous. Sometimes you pray for your marriage to be healed, and your marriage is healed miraculously. God is on the move, and sometimes he works that way. And, 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 and we, can, we can go after those things by faith. But here's the second thing I want us to see. Oftentimes, he uses you and me to accomplish his will. Yes, he could come and fix. Yes, he could make it right. Yes, we could be kind of robots and we just, it, everything just works out. But oftentimes, he uses you and me to accomplish his will. Now, let me ask you, why, why do you think he does that? Why do you think God would use you for something. Now, you're, look, you're looking back at me, and you're, my, some of you are thinking to yourselves, well, as I've been asking God that, like, why would he, I, I could tell him why he wouldn't use me. Okay, my junior year in high school, uh, my first marriage, and my, the way I did my taxes last year. That's three disqualifications, wh- whatever, you know, I mean, we can figure those things out. But God is interested in using you. Regardless of you, who you are. And that's why I think everyone has a call story. And I think everyone has multiple call stories. So what I want to do is I want to look at Moses' call story. And what happened is if you read Exodus, there's this guy named Joseph. Um, and he's the one who had the multi-technicolor coat. You know, the coat of many colors. That, that one, if you ever saw the play or whatever that was. Um, and so that, that's uh, Joseph. And all of a sudden, there's this transition verse that says, there arose a Pharaoh that knew not Joseph. Joseph had kind of worked his way up into Egypt, Egyptian uh, power structure, even though he was a Hebrew. Well, another Pharaoh came and started getting upset with the Hebrews because they bred too much. <laughs> not they baked bread, they bred. Uh, when you read it, he says, they're just, they're overpowering us. There's just, and so what he did is he made this decree that if there's a Hebrew son born, the midwife is supposed to kill the son. If it's a girl, they can let him go. And so Moses' mom, it's really cool. Um, uh, it says in the Bible that she saw that Moses was beautiful. And so uh, she put him in this basket. And I thought, man, it's a good, good, good thing for him. He was a good-looking kid because, you know, some of those babies, n- not so much. So, um, <clears throat> so, so she puts him in, this, in the basket and he, and he goes down. And somebody from uh, Pharaoh's daughter gets the baby. And it's just this beautiful story about how his sister was following. Just really cool. We don't have time to get into it. Um, but he grew up in, 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 the, in the palace there. And um, it really started to get bad for the Hebrews. This Pharaoh just co- continued to just kind of sl- drive them into slavery and make them work harder and harder and harder. And so uh, it, it says here in Exodus chapter 2, 23, just to set it up. During the long period, the king of Egypt died. And the Israelites groaned in their slavery and cried out, and their cry for help because of their slavery went up to God. So they were complaining, and God heard the cries of the Israelites. Now, why didn't God just come down and just wipe out the Egyptians? Like, why didn't God do something like that? Because here's what he says. Um, We'll see in a little bit that God even admits that he saw and he heard and he was concerned. What God decides to do next, I hope you would adopt in your own life of just 
paying attention to a move of God's spirit in your life. What God did is he, he caught this bush on fire, but he didn't burn the bush. He just had the flames in the bush, okay? So this bush is ablaze, um, but it's not burning, okay? We call it the burning bush. In fact, it wasn't burning. It wasn't, it wasn't being consumed. It was just fire in this bush. Now, Moses had left Egypt because Moses did something bad. Moses killed somebody, (laughs) okay? What happened was Moses was watching this Egyptian person beat up on this Hebrew, and it says, the Bible says, he looked this way and that. That's what the Bible actually says. It's really cool. So you picture Moses like, ding, 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 looking around, okay? He looks this way and that, and he kills the Egyptian and then buries his body. Yay, Moses, (laughs) Moses killed somebody and hid the body like Dateline, okay? Like those shows, you know, and it's like, did he really do it? Yeah, he did it. Like God wrote it down. Actually, you know, some think Moses wrote it down, but that's the thing. He hid the body. The next day, or I think it was the next day or several days later, he saw two Hebrews fighting. He said, you guys, we're brothers. Don't fight. And one Hebrew said to him, are you going to kill us like you did the Egyptian? And Moses was gone. Went up into the mountains. Okay, and the story goes on. He was, there were some young ladies at the, at the well, and he kind of helped him out, and so he married one of them, and that was really cool. And that's where Bob gets his thing, like how to love a woman. It comes from the Moses story. Meet seven of them at a well. and No, okay. Uh, and so, so here, here we find Moses becomes a sheep herder, and he's on this mountain, and he sees God who was already at work. That's the first thing I want us to understand. God had already started this burning bush deal. God had already planned out what he was going to do. And Moses, it says, noticed it. In your call story, if it's like mine and if it's like Moses, oftentimes it just starts with this. Huh. That's all. Just a little, what? Hmm. Maybe you just, I had an epiphany. I had an idea. I just, well, that's weird. I, I remember it happened to me. It was like somebody came up to me and said, I think you're going to be a pastor. And I went, get behind me. No, I didn't. I, I just, I went, I went, huh. I'm going to investigate that a little further. And, and, and my journey was just a series of this, that's weird. You might find that too when you get to work. You might see somebody in your cubicle, and you might see them uh, in, 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 in their cubicle. If they're in your cubicle, you might have just gotten laid off, and I apologize for that. But if, if you see somebody in their cubicle, and all of a sudden you just go, you just see them a little different. That might be, it might be the call of God to bring you into a new era of your life. Maybe approaching them, maybe inviting them to church. I don't know. But oftentimes, it starts with just going, that's weird. Hadn't thought of that. I'm going to investigate. That's where we find Moses right now. Okay? So when the Lord, this is Exodus 3, 4. When the Lord saw that he had gone over, Moses had gone over to to look, God called uh, to him from the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am, which, duh, that's why God was calling you, but that's okay. Uh, He he said, here I am. I'm ready to hear your voice. That is the second part of this call. You first start out going, huh, that's weird. That's different. And then you begin to hear God's voice begin to talk to you. 
You begin to get concerned about stuff you never got concerned about before. You begin to think of yourself a little bit differently than you did. And so there's this, this thing's happening, and he says, Moses, Moses, he says, here I am. And here's what God says to Moses. This is so interesting. He says, do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Let me ask you a question. If it's holy ground, wouldn't you not want to touch it? Like, like, and this is like through the Bible. One time in the Bible, the Ark of the Covenant was tipping over and some guy went to go grab it to write it up and he died. God killed him right there because he touched the Ark of the Covenant. Like Indiana Jones, right? It just like, he just touched it and he died because it was so holy. And there's all sorts of things that, that holy people set apart people. That, that they, they can do certain things, but other people can't. And here's what God says to Moses. Take off your shoes. In other words, I want you even closer. I want you touching the holy ground with your feet. I would think it would be the opposite. But here's, I think God's doing a couple things. One, I think God's trying to get that you, the, your system, you know, the, those sandals were made, they were manufactured by human hands, they were an asset that Moses had, they were a necessity that Moses had. He, God wants them removed. That's another part of this call story that was a part of my call story. There were certain things, they weren't necessarily sinful, but God, in the midst of calling me, said, those things are going to have to go. We're dealing in an entirely new type of our relationship right now. And, so, and here's my prayer for us. As you begin to go into this week, my prayer is that you'll begin to see, notice some things in your life and go, if I'm going to take it to the next level with my relationship with God, I might have to remove some things, even things that aren't sinful. But you just say, I, I, I think I hear the call of God. I think this is a holy moment. I think this is a burning bush moment. I, I'm going to take a look at that. And so that's what happens. Uh, he says, uh, you're, you're standing on uh, holy ground. And then he said, I'm the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. There's another part that happened in my call story that I'll bet has happened in yours as you've seen yourself take risks and step out to meet God maybe in a new and different way. I think Moses was thinking, this is about the Egyptian, isn't it? It finally caught up. Like, oh no, I've been found out. God saw it. I don't know, have you ever had this happen where you're um, in, a, in, a, in a place of, you know, you're, you're getting ready to step out and then you remember something from your past and you think, I'm not worthy to move forward. I can't meet God in this way because of my past. Now, I think another part of this, too, is Moses really didn't want to see the face of God. He, he felt this way, but, but, but he's had this. He was on that mountain because he killed somebody and was hiding. That's why he got there. And now God shows up and says, hey, I want to talk to you. You ever have your parents or your principal or your boss say, I want to talk to you? And you, you immediately, you think of the last four things you did that you shouldn't have done. Right? And you're just thinking, oh man, I know what this is about. You know what I mean? It's just like, you're like, I'm in trouble. You know? And then the person's like, hey, I really like your shirt. And you're like, oh God, thank you. Oh man, that's so, such a relief. Moses hides. He doesn't want to see God. Here's what God says. I've indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers. 
and I'm concerned about their suffering. Another thing I want you to see about your call story or your potential call story, the reason you're called is because God is concerned. The reason you're being called is because God is concerned about something. You know what's really sweet is having had several call stories in my life and having seen you guys rise up and and, and really embrace your call story, haven't you found out that God is not only concerned about the injustice, but he's concerned about you as well. He's concerned about this relationship with you. And so he says, I'm concerned. And he, he goes on and he says this. This is just really intimate language. So I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians, to bring them out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites. This one's always the Perizzites. <laughs> Perizzites. Anyway, um, I'm very immature. The Hivites and the Jebusites, okay? Now at this time, Moses must be saying, sweet, thanks for letting me know. Have a nice day. I'm going to go back to the sheep and put on my sandals again. Like, why would God be telling Moses this? Why would God be saying, man, I'm concerned. I'm, I'm going uh, 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 I'm, I'm to make a change. I mean, if I were Moses, I'd be like, go for it, <laughs> right? He goes on. He says, and now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I've seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. And this is the part of call stories that just baffles me. And it probably baffles you. If God's going to move, why doesn't he just move? Why doesn't he just come up with some plan to get rid of the Egyptians? Like, and just the mean ones and leave all the nice ones. He says this. So now go. I'm sending you. I'm sending you. Whew. That's the other thing that happens in a call story. There's a sense of, ah, me? Like you're sending me? And, and, and let me tell you, my call story was a baby call story. Oh, you leave business to go become a pastor. That, his call story was about the entire future of the nation of Israel. And yet God is using a person for that. That's mind-boggling to me. God is on the move, and oftentimes he uses you and I to accomplish his will. So let me ask you, is there a call story in your life right now that you've been kind of setting aside? See, Moses, this was out of the blue for Moses. Moses didn't sign up. He didn't fill out his connection card with God and say, uh, I would like to volunteer for something. You know, please get in touch with me. I'll be on the mountain of Hebron, okay, on Wednesday, right? He, he didn't do, he was just minding his own business. And this is one of the things that happens a lot of times in call stories. Peter was just fishing day to day. And Jesus pops up and he says, hey, follow me. All of a sudden, God just calls you and says, I would like you to share your faith with that person. I want that person to know me. And our natural response is, then go ahead and introduce yourself. (laughs) Right? Why do you need me? And God says, therefore, now go. I'm sending you. And we get all those butterflies that you get in a call story. He says, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people 
the Israelites out of Egypt. And Moses answers the way you and I would answer. It's just natural. Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Like, who, what, what do I, like, who am I? I remember uh, when, when we finally got to, um, you know, we had, we had gone through this process of looking at different churches in the denomination that our superintendent had, had asked if we wanted to lead those churches and maybe plan a church and all this kind of stuff. And uh, I remember um, my, th- th- this took, you know, probably just a few minutes for Moses um, the process for me ending up here uh, was much longer. And so there was many trips over here and there was, I was being interviewed and all this kind of stuff. And, and so this was a typical thing for me. Like once I realized that I might actually have a church and actually be a senior pastor, th- this would be a very common thought I would have and a very common conversation I would have with the Lord when the reality of the call really began to hit me. See, before it was just kind of neat. Yeah, I think I'm called to full-time ministry. I'm going to go on a business trip now. Oh, I'm called to full-time ministry, but I'll just lead a Bible study and do this. When all of a sudden it came, you are quitting your job now, and you're going to lead a church, this was a common thing for me. Like maybe they should get someone that, I don't know, has more than zero experience, you know? Like what, like what in the world? And, and, and it was just, oftentimes it was overwhelming. But you know what I'm talking about. You felt this way. When you felt God saying, asking you to move in a certain direction in your life. And yeah, maybe it's not to become a pastor, but who cares? It's still important. Our call stories are important because they're our encounters with God. And so you felt those same things. You've thought to yourself, man, God's calling me to go talk to this person, but they heard me cuss yesterday. Oh, you know, they're going to, this is going to, they're going to see, they're going to think I'm a hypocrite. They're going to think this or that. But listen to God's answer to Moses. Remember Moses' question. Who am I? It would have been nice for God to say, you are good enough, smart enough, and people like you, okay? Right? It would be great. It would be nice if, if, if God just went down the qualifications of, you know, this is why you're better than, you know, Emechelech or whatever the guy down the street was or whatever. whatever thing. This would be a great time for God to just kind of give some props and encourage Moses. But God's answer has nothing to do with Moses. And I praise God for that. Your, your call story, your ability to answer the call has nothing to do with your ability. Here's what God says. God said, uh, he says, who am I? I will be with you. Who am I? I'll be with you. Like, you're nothing. (laughs) Right? But aren't you glad? See, here's the reality of it. Here's the kind of the dirty little secret. If you had to be qualified, like if you had, in order to be a pastor, if you had to be kind of just like this super Christian, we would have no pastors. <laughs> and if you had to be qualified to a certain thing for, to do what God's calling you to do, there'd be nobody qualified. We're not qualified. It's that God says, I'm going to come alongside you and you're going to experience our relationship in a way you've never experienced it before because you answered yes to the call. And so, and so God says, you know, who am I? And God just says, nobody. <laughs> 
Like, who cares? This isn't about you. It's about me. I will be with you. This is what he says. And this will be a sign to you that it is I who sent you. Now, if you're like me, you're like, ooh, he's going to give me a sign that he sent me. He's going to give me something that I know I can always look back to and go, well, because all those birds spelled my name in the air, you know. Now, those signs do come. My dad, when he was called to ministry, he was on a train in Newark uh, 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 going to, um, uh, he worked on Wall Street. And, and he had felt this call to ministry um, out of business too, which is not why I did it. Because um, that would have been the worst decision ever watching what happened to him. So, um, so, so he looks out the window and he says, I need a sign. And the clouds literally spelled yes. Okay, that was my dad's call story. That should be in the Bible. That was awesome, okay? But Mo, so he's going to give Moses a sign, something like my dad's sign of the clouds will reshape or there'll be this guy who has a big beard and it's like you and then there'll be a thing and all, all this kind of stuff. Look at what Moses' sign is. This is just, he says, when you've brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship on this mountain. God says, you know what the sign is going to be? It's going to come after obedience. I'm not giving you a pre-obedient sign. And do you know what it's going to be? You're going to worship me like you never have before. Totally different. For some of you, you've answered the call of God in your life in certain areas, and you are closer to him than you've ever been in ways you never would have been if you hadn't answered that call. And you know exactly what I'm talking about. For others... You've never answered the call yes to something because you've always been afraid. I need a sign first. I need something first. And God's saying, if you just step out, if you just do it, if you just volunteer, if you just risk something, the sign you're going to have is that the other side of that, you're going to be closer to God than you've ever been. You're going to worship him in a way you've never worshiped him before. And some of us are stuck in our relationship with God because we're not saying yes to something or we're not saying no to something. That's his sign. What happens after that is some really neat dialogue between Moses and God that we we don't necessarily have time for. But um, but, but his other question was, another question that you have with the call, why are these people going to follow me? Why are they going to listen to me? And that's one of the things he says. He says, well, when I go to Pharaoh, you know... Pharaoh's going to just go, what are you talking about? I'm not listening to you. But But when you look at the story... Moses was more concerned about the Israelites. You know, you know what I've noticed sometimes? God will call you to a certain level of spirituality maybe, maybe to make a decision for him and what's holding your back is what, what is my family going to think? It might not even just be your family. It might just be your brother or your sister or that one thing. They're going to call me a freak. They're going to think, and that's the thing holding you back. That is typical in a call story. It was typical in mine. There were certain things, and I thought, well, I, I don't know who's going to, these people, I don't know, you know, they're not going to do this or that or whatever. I, I didn't know any of you at that time, so I was like, what, they're not going to listen to me or whatever. So God gives him something. He says, see your staff? Well, first he says, what's in your hand? You know, right? Which is always, it's like, you're God. You know what's in my hand. But he says, what's in your hand? He says, a staff. I think he wanted Moses to kind of identify with this. He said, lay it down. And it became a snake. And the Bible says Moses ran away, which makes me love Moses because I hate snakes, okay? And then God says, pick it up by the tail. And it's like, 
I was running. Like, why would I go back? And he picks it up by a tail and it turns into his staff again. You know what? For me, this is just me talking. There were certain things that identified me as a certain way that I had to lay down to allow God to take control of. So for Moses, his identity was his being a shepherd. And that was one of his tools of the trade. And the the staff was very, very important. He used it for all sorts of stuff. He used it to actually scoot snakes away. He used it for all, all all these kind of things. It was a tool of the trade that he had to lay down. There were things in my life, in my call story, where I felt the Lord going, hey, see that thing? You're going to have to put that aside. And I was like, that's my identity. That's, why don't I hold on to it? And that way, if the whole pastor thing doesn't work out, I can always go back to it. And God was saying, no, you have to lay, lay that down. But that sign was not, the snake was not for Moses. He told Moses, that's for the people. When you go talk to them to, see, to show them that you talk to me. He had another sign or he had his cloak, and he put his, he goes, put your hand in your cloak. And so he puts it in. He said, pull it out. And it had leprosy. And then he said, put it back in. He put it back in. Now pull it out. And it was, it was all clean. Like it, was, it had no leprosy. I'd be doing that every day. I think that would be the coolest thing, don't you? You're like, hey, how's it going? Leprosy? Not leprosy. You know, like, be like the David Copperfield of the call, right? Okay. And so, so but he has this thing. If that wasn't for Moses... Moses' sign was always, when you get done with this, you're going to come back and worship on this mountain. And so Moses had that, and uh, there were some other things. You know, you reach into the Nile and come out water, and you pour it out, and there's blood. That was not for Moses. Moses' sign was, when you get on the other side of this, you're going to worship me in a way you never have before. So... Last thing Moses gets to, which is what I got to, which I see everybody in their calling of what God calls them to do. And again, I believe everyone has a call story. I believe everyone has multiple call stories. Is he couldn't speak very well. He had a deficiency. Moses stuttered. He wasn't, you know, or at least he didn't think he was. And so he says, "Uh, God, I can't even, I can't even talk. Like I don't talk. I'll get up there and I'll start stuttering or whatever. And God says this. Again, this is all about God. The Lord said to him, who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go. I will help you speak. and I will teach you what to say. Do you see how this call story is? Yes, it's about the nation of Israel. Absolutely. But it's about God and Moses. And in the same way, your call story is not so much about, uh, you go talk to your neighbor, invite him to church, and your neighbor, there is an element of that. Absolutely. God wishes that none are, uh, uh, that all are saved, and none, none perish, right? And so there is a part of that. But a lot of our call story has to do with between God and us. And some of us are stuck in our relationship with God because we're afraid for whatever reason, something we did in the past, something we feel like we have to give up, or it's just some deficiency in ourselves that we don't think we can be used by God. And I'm just here to tell you, the reason respond to a move that the Holy Spirit is such a big part of who we are is because we believe that everybody can be used by God. Everybody can be called. It may be quitting your job and becoming a pastor. It may be just leading a small group. It may be just 
stopping coming here all week and not volunteering in something and just stepping out of your comfort zone. It might be just signing up for children's ministry. But all the things that Moses experienced, I know we all experience it. And so we get stuck because we're afraid to step out. And all the while, God's going, I'll be with you, I'll be with you. My kids and I, we had this game. Anybody who had a dad, you know, played this game where you'd, you'd sit on the, the edge of the, whatever it is, like a wall or something, and you say, come on, jump, I'll catch you, I'll catch you. And, 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 and then the, the, that first jump is the hardest, right? I mean, you watch a kid, and the kid's just like, nah, nah, uh-uh, no way. And like, you're thinking, you're a dad, you're like, the kid weighs like two pounds, you're like, I'll, I'll catch you like that, like behind the back, you know? And, and, but the kid, to the kid, it's just like, no, man. And they make that first jump, and then the second jump, and the third jump, and then soon they're just like, whoo, my kids were just like, I'm jumping, I'm like, I don't look up, because I didn't know that they were even going to jump yet, you know, it's just like, they're just so, so free with that, that is the picture that God has for your life, that you just get to the place where you can just, God gives you a call, and you're just like, I know he's going to catch me, that's the whole point of this call story. Here's the tragedy, because I think this represents a lot of us. Moses said, oh, Lord, please send someone else. Now, to God, this is like, ah, this was going to be awesome for you. Now, as we know, we've read, some of you read ahead, which is cheating, but um, Moses ends up going. But notice this. I want to bookend this conversation because I I want you to personalize this. Think about your call story. Think about your next step, the one you're not taking or the one you're scared to take. This is essentially the conversation. God, I'm concerned about their suffering. Moses, please send someone else. Isn't that harsh? Doesn't that feel harsh to you? Like God says, man, I'm really concerned. Find someone else. For whatever reason, my insecurity, my time schedule, my this or that, just find someone else. It doesn't matter to me that you're concerned. I'm concerned about me. You're concerned about them. I'm concerned about me. Now again, we would never say that to God on purpose. But we feel because of our scaredness and our insecurity and we, our, our fear of the unknown... We, we hold back and we hope. So it's like when you go to, you know, you're, you're getting ready to pay for lunch. And so you do the fake wallet grab where you're just like, yeah, no, I got this. I got, uh, oh, oh, you got it? Okay, cool, great, thanks, man. You ever done that? No, I'm the only one who does that? Uh, I'll take you out to lunch anytime. I'll do it all the time, right? right? Yeah, I'll take care of that. Oh, okay, you got it. Cool, great. This is exactly what Moses is doing. Hey, oh, you're really concerned about that? Oh, cool, great. Hey, well, you know, hey, you want to take that? Go ahead. Here's the thing. God is on the move, and he uses you and me to accomplish his will. I just want to show you one other really sweet verse that comes later as uh, Adjua comes back up. So Moses leaves like Moses does it. Now, he had to work out some things with uh, his his, uh, brother Aaron, who was going to do some things, and... uh, uh, 
uh, uh, uh, he was going to be the mouthpiece. And God says, look, you talk to Aaron. I'll talk to you. You talk to Aaron. It'll be like a, it'd be like a cosmic telephone game. You know, it's like, uh, uh, that's the way it's going to work out. But watch what happens. This is so cool. So Moses took his wife and sons, put them on a donkey and started back to Egypt. And he took the staff of God in his hand. It wasn't called the staff of God before. It was just Moses' staff. But God took that mundane thing, that thing that, 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 that maybe it was a, a security blanket for Moses or whatever. He took it, and now the staff of Moses became the staff of God. Here's something I know about you. God wants to use you to the fullest. Why? Because God wants a new level of worship in you that can only happen when you step out in faith, when you step out in risk. And these things in your life that you're afraid to set down, because we're afraid to set them down, they remain ours and they remain lifeless and they remain just a stick. But if we turn them over, Maybe it's our finances. Maybe it's our time. Maybe it's our relationships. If we turn them over, they then become the finances of God. God's time. And our relationship with him grows closer and closer and closer than you'd ever have. Listen, I've had many, many call stories in my life, and and many of them I've failed miserably at. Many of them, it took me too long. I missed an opportunity. Many of them, I I, I was too scared and I, I, I waited. But some... Some I've accepted and I'm on the other side of and I have a relationship with God I never, ever, ever would have had had I not said yes. So we're going to take a little bit of time right now. We're going to do a number of things. We're going to fill out our connection cards. Um, and we're, we, we like to get those from every family. Just if, if we have all your information, we just write your name on there so we know you were here um, so that we can follow up with the people who weren't able to be here to make sure they're okay and all these different things. And so it's really an act of worship when you fill those out for us. And we thank you so much for doing it. Um, but maybe on the bottom, you want to put a prayer request. Maybe God's called you to something. Maybe it's just as simple as, hey, tell your friend you became a Christian. You've been kind of hiding because you're like, no, I don't, I don't know. Maybe it's time to stop running with those people. Maybe it's time for this, and God's calling you, and you're like, ah. And maybe you want help with that. You want prayer for that. Write it down. The other thing we do during this time is we take our offering. And some of you give online, and that's great. And we just can't thank you enough for supporting this ministry and all the things we have going on. But some of you write checks or cash or whatever, and this is the time to prepare that. Um, we don't t- pass a basket or anything, but at the end of the service, we take those connection cards and the offering, we put them in a box in the back. Here, here's what I'm hoping happens also during this time. Maybe for some of you, you're sitting there and you're praying, and it's the very beginning of a call, and you go, huh. You just start, huh. That's a weird idea. Volunteering for children's ministry. Hmm. Weird. Maybe that's it. Maybe it's God has said, hey, you're going to need to set that thing down because I want to take you to another level where you're not going to be in control. Or maybe it's just you've said no and today's the day to say yes. Maybe God's call for you this morning is salvation to start a relationship with him. During this time, I would encourage you to do that. You can write on your connection card. I made a commitment to Christ today.
We'll help you along that journey. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you call us as scary as it is. We thank you that you look past our past. The things you know we did, and yet you call us anyway. You use us anyway. We thank you that we don't have to be perfect before you call us. That we can have these deficiencies. That we can stutter. That we don't have to have this great degree or make this money or be great with people. That you can use us no matter where we're at. Thank you. Thank you that our only qualification is that you will be with us. Now, Lord, help us as we just take this short amount of time to step out in faith with you. In Jesus' name, amen.